Welcome to the Mustang UMC podcast recorded each Sunday morning during our 8.30 and 10.50 a.m. services. We invite you to join us in praise and worship during that time, and our hope is that this podcast serves as an encouragement for you and for your family in your daily life. come now to the time in our service in which we hear the reading of God's Word. We invite those in the room to remain standing as a way of honoring and centering ourselves on the Word of God. Today, our scripture comes from Esther chapter 4, verses 10 through 16. Let us give our attention to the reading of God's Holy Word. Then Esther spoke to Hattak and commanded him to go to Mordecai and say, All the king's servants and the people of the king's provinces know that if any man or woman goes to the king inside the inner court without being called, there is but one law to be put to death, except the one to whom the king holds out the golden scepter so that he may live. But as for me, I have not been called to come to the king these 30 days. And they told Mordecai what Esther had said. Then Mordecai told them to reply to Esther, Do not think to yourself that in the king's palace you will escape any more than all the other Jews. For if you keep silent at this time, relief and deliverance will rise for the Jews from another place. But you and your father's house will perish. And who knows whether you have not come to the kingdom for such a time as this. Then Esther told them to reply to Mordecai, Go, gather all the Jews to be found in Susa and hold a fast on my behalf. And do not eat or drink for three days, night or day. I and my young women will also fast as you do. Then I will go to the king, though it is against the law. And if I perish, I perish. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. You all may be seated. Let us pray. And so, Lord, we do pause, we breathe deep, and we just pray that your Holy Spirit would give us insight today, that as we hear your word proclaimed, we would become your word, living out our faith. It's in Jesus' name that we pray, amen. I think probably, uh, like a lot of you, I don't really like being vulnerable, I don't like putting myself out there. I do so from time to time, but there's this fear and anxiety that comes with vulnerability. One of the better definitions of vulnerability I've heard is exposure to meaningful risk, is what does it look like to expose yourself to meaningful risk, to put yourself out there? Um, And so kids, if you're watching at home, I invite you in box one to, to draw a time that you took a risk of some sort. Sometimes our risks are our physical risk. We may do something a little bit daring. We put ourselves in harm's way. Sometimes it may be emotional. Uh, uh, many times we might risk rejection. We might risk being um, somebody saying something negative or, or being a contrary voice um, in a situation. And, and anytime we have vulnerability, again, it's this idea of exposure to meaningful risk. And what we want to do as people, and especially in a time like now, in which so many things seem to be lost, in which so many things seem to be taken away, is that, is that we protect ourselves. Um, you know, it, it sounds like that toilet paper is getting harder to find again, right? And, and we don't want to be in a vulnerable situation in which we're exposed to the meaningful risk of not having toilet paper. So what do we do is that we hoard things. 
and we're going to take care of ourselves and take care of those around us. And, and as, a, as a parent, that's one of the ways in which I, I want to be a dad is I want to protect our kids, right? I want to make sure that, that, they, that they are safe. But safe um, isn't always the best thing for them because we all know that we grow through challenges and difficulties. And one of the things that we have to do is to carefully and courageously choose how we are going to be vulnerable and be exposed to meaningful risk. Now, there is a difference between vulnerability and recklessness um, because recklessness is exposure to unnecessary risk. Um, it is unnecessary for me to climb up on top of this church and jump down. There's no reason for that. There's a risk, but it's not necessary. Um, and there are different ways in which we can think about it. But the way I always think about recklessness is a, actually a story about one of my friends. So when I was in high school, we were at a, at a friend's house and we were just hanging out in the front yard. And, um, and for unknown reasons to all of us that our, our friend David just decided he would go lay down in the middle of the street in the neighborhood. Um, and it just so happened like two seconds after he went and laid down in the middle of the street in the neighborhood, a cop car came pulling into the neighborhood. Um, and uh, the cop car flashed his light, got on his little bullhorn, and he said, there is funny and there is stupid, and that was stupid. Um, that, that sometimes uh, courage doesn't mean we just do whatever, all right? But in fact, courage is about bravely following Jesus into risk. It's where Jesus is leading us to go is where we could take the risk. And we do this by trusting God, by listening to God's insight with persistent hope. And so today, this is kind of the final Sunday in our sermon series on Courageous Faith. And each and every week, we've been looking at that, and we've been looking at this theme verse, which is from Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. And it says these words, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him, and He will make straight your path. And so as we live this courageous faith, and I invite you, if you haven't checked out those sermon, the previous sermons, check those out, because we've been looking all through this. How do we get the insight from God? How do we have persistent hope even in the face of, of darkness? How do we learn to trust God? And today we're going to really be talking about bravely following Jesus into risk. And, and, and one of the things that we have to understand is that when we live our lives courageously, it doesn't mean that every risk is going to pan out perfectly. It doesn't mean that, okay, Jesus, I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. That means everything and everybody else will get on board because that is not the way the world works. Is, is while God is working for us, there are factors that are working against us. And I want us to think through the fact that God's faithfulness is more about what God does in us, what happens inside of us, than what happens to us. Because I know as somebody who, who is, is sometimes anxious to be vulnerable, that I'll step out into that, I'll, I'll feel rejection or something won't work out the way that I'm doing it, and I'll step back and say, well, I never want to do that again. Because I don't want to hurt or be in pain. Because it didn't work out the way that I wanted to. But really, it's again about mostly about what God does for us. I believe he makes straight a path for each of us um, and that he is molding inside of us this courageous character that we need to live through life that will at times experience rejection, that will at times experience pain, but it's worth it because we are following Jesus and he's working inside of us and through us for the outcomes that he hopes for. And so as courageous people, we move forward in our faith. Now, one of the great 
stories of courage in our scripture is the story of Esther. Now, as I think about the story of Esther, um, it's a story that I think, you know, we, we, we may know a little bit about, and maybe some of you have studied it more, um, but I think for a lot of us, we're just like, ah, I'm not really, I don't have the details of the Esther story down in my head and in my heart. So let me just sort of walk you through the curious story of Esther. And, and one of the interesting things about the, the book of Esther is that God is nowhere mentioned in the whole story. Um, never is the name God mentioned in the whole um, book of the Bible, um, but it really tells a great story of God's faithfulness and our response courageously. And so let me uh, just kind of set the, the scene. And so the, the Jewish people, they no longer run under their own control. Instead, they had been sort of scattered, dispersed, and there was a group of Jews that were living under the king of Persia. Um, now, the, the kings in those days, they liked to get their way. They loved power. And if the king declared it, it was to happen. And so one day, um, as, the, as the Jewish people were living as a minority group that were there, um, one day the, the king had a banquet at his house. And the king got a little or a lot inebriated um, in the situation. And, and he wanted to show off his wife to the entire group of people that was there at the banquet. Um, the queen said no. She was not going to just come out and show up and show off for him. And this made the king mad because if you're the king, you're used to saying things and them happening. And so when his own wife and the queen rejected him, then he did two things. One is he got rid of her. And two is he made a new decree um, that is still in effect um, right now. Heather, my wife's watching online. This is still in effect what she said is that all men should be masters of their own home, is what was said. Um, how's that working out for everybody, right? I, I see some chuckles in here. Um, all men should be masters of their own house, because he felt that rejection so much, all right? And so then what the king needs to do, all right, I've made this new decree, and then I'm going to hold a beauty pageant to get my new wife. And so he holds this beauty pageant, and lo and behold, our, our hero, Esther, enters in. And she wins the beauty pageant and instantly becomes the queen and has this power. Now, Esther has an uncle by the name of Mordecai. And it just so happened that Mordecai was out amongst the palace and he heard some of the palace guards talking about a plot to kill the king. And so he told Esther and Esther told the king and they stopped the plot and they saved the king's life. And so the king looked favorably upon Queen Esther and also upon her uncle Mordecai. And so the, the story continues and, and there's a new villain that entered in. His name's Haman. And Haman didn't like Mordecai, didn't like the Jews, and didn't like Esther. And so he began to try to plot how to get rid of all of them. And so he... Um, worked with the king, and together they wrote a decree, a decree that all the Jewish people would die. And they set a date by rolling a dice that 11 months from now, the Jewish people should die. So in 11 months, they are going to exterminate all of the Jewish people. And so our, our scripture comes to the moment in which Mordecai and Esther are having a conversation about trying to figure out how do we save our people and how, what is God going to do? And so um, they have this story. And so kids, if you're watching at home in box two, draw Esther and Mordecai encouraging 
one another. And so Mordecai sends this word to Esther. He says, for if you keep silent at this time, relief and deliverance will rise from the Jews from another place. Is, is what he's saying is that, is that God's going to take care of his people because that's God's promises. God's promise is to take care of his people. And so if you keep silent, God's still going to move even if you don't do it. But he says, but you and your father's house will perish. And then he adds this question, and who knows whether you have not come to the kingdom for such a time as this. Maybe this is why God brought you to this place of power and leadership for this moment and this time in history. And so Esther replies back to Mordecai and, and asks for people to pray and fast for three days. Um, and, and so they do that. And then she says these words, Then I will go to the king, though it is against the law, and if I perish, I perish. I know I am risking my life, but if I perish, I perish. And one of the great lessons that we can learn even from that part of, of Scripture is that there were three days of prayer and fasting before the time in which she needed to be courageous. And sometimes we think that courage it means we just got to do it, but almost every time that we are called to be courageous, there needs to be a period of preparation of prayer that says, Lord, give me the courage and the wisdom to know exactly what to do when this moment of courage takes place. And sometimes we just need a little bit of courage in order to walk into it. And so this is what happens in the rest of the story is, is that three days later, Esther, um, she puts on her royal gowns and she um, is sort of out in the foyer of the king's palace and the king is able to look out there. Now remember the risk that Esther is willing and about to take um, because she is willing to walk in to the king's throne room and risk her life for trying to save the Jewish people. But she's hoping that first, if she can gather his attention, then, she'll, then, he, then he will show her the golden scepter, which means that she can come in without the risk of losing her life. She's ready to do the courageous thing, to risk her existence, but instead, God has made a way. And so when the, the king looks out, he sees Esther, he shows her the golden scepter, and she is able to come in. And this was especially important because she had already seen what would happen with the queen who would disobey the king. But yet she persisted in her courage. And so she, she goes out there and the king says, what is it, Queen Esther? What is your request? Even up to half the kingdom, uh, it will be given to you. And so she laid out what was going on that... Um, that, that she was Jewish, Mordecai was Jewish, um, and that this decree that you and Haman have given um, will exterminate all of us. And that's a terrible experience for who we are and where we are. And so they make a plan to order to, be, to save the Jews. Um, Haman, who had actually planned Mordecai's death the next day, was actually killed instead. And, and, and the Jewish people survived, just as Mordecai said that God is going to be faithful in this. And I think this story really tells us so much about what it means to have courageous faith and how to, how to live our lives. And one of the things that this story tells us is that courageous faith embraces the moment of faith. 
It embraces that there is a time in which we have to step out into the great unknown, in which we have to risk something, and we have to live in the hope and the trust that God will deliver. Now, when, when we were out with COVID, we didn't really feel like doing much uh, this past uh, last week. We just sat and we watched TV, and we had a lot of time to kill, so we watched The Lord of the Rings, you know, three-and-a-half-hour movie, three-and-a-half-hour movie, three-and-a-half-hour movie. Really enjoyed it. Um, we'd watched it before. Um, but, but it's one of those stories that just have such great insight. And so in the story, there's a hobbit named Frodo. A hobbit's kind of a halfling, about a half-sized person. And he, he, he just, he's been entrusted with this powerful ring that he's to go on a journey to destroy. Now, this powerful ring is a powerful ring of evil. And, and, and again, because it's his task to destroy. He, he, he's really hesitant. How am I, this halfling, this hobbit, going to make it to the other side of the world and destroy this all-powerful ring with all the enemies that will come up against it? And he doesn't want to do it. And so he talks to Gandalf, and Gandalf is the, the wizard, this wise character. And Frodo says, I wish it need not have happened in my time. So do I, said Gandalf. And so do all who live to see such times. But that is not for them to decide. All we have to decide is what to do with the time that is given us. I don't know about you, but I didn't sign up to live in a pandemic. I certainly didn't sign up to pastor in a pandemic. I know many of, none of us signed up to, to lose all that we've lost. And, and I know that, that there's so many, so many things that, that we've experienced and we say, this is, this is not the time I want. This isn't fair. This isn't right. But here's the thing, is that all we have to do is decide what to do with the time is given. Just because I do not like the time does not mean that I'm just to be upset about it. But instead, I'm supposed to courageously lead through it to courageously walk and follow Jesus, to courageously do the next right thing. I love this quote from uh, an author who, who wrote the 10-second rule. And, and the, to be courageous, it says, just do the next thing you're reasonably certain Jesus wants you to do and do it within the next 10 seconds. Is that, is that oftentimes the Lord will speak to us and will prompt us to take a step of courageous faith, but we're hesitant but if the Lord is prompting you, then take that step. Do something about it in the next 10 seconds. You don't want to throw away your shot at doing the right and faithful thing. Wayne Gretzky said, right, we miss 100% of the shots we don't take. And so for the people of God, when, when the Lord has laid a moment in front of us, don't miss it. Step into it and walk through it. And so kids, if you're at home, I invite you in box three to write or draw something you're reasonably certain Jesus wants you to do. And so take this moment in the next 10 seconds. And even adults, if, if when I said, what is the next reasonable faithful step, just write it down. Um, you, you may not do it in service today, but there is something God might be prompting you that you know you should do, but you just haven't done it yet. And so the first thing that we've learned about courageous faith is it embraces the moment, is that God will say now. And that we need to take the next step of faith. Now, another thing about this story that, teach, that courageous faith teaches us is that courageous faith embraces the possibility of loss. Is that there are times in which we know that we could lose something. I mean, that's what, 
um, Esther said she was willing to lose her life. If I perish, I perish. Is, is, is that we have to accept that we could lose something if we are vulnerable and we take a meaningful risk. It may be worth it, but at the same time, we may end up being hurt. And I would imagine for a lot of us uh, in various times in our life, uh, maybe you took a risk in a relationship and you got rejected and it was just really painful and you're hesitant to take that risk again. Maybe, maybe there's a, you know, a part of your story in which your vulnerability caused you to experience a lot of pain and now you don't know if you ever want to take that step. And I think part of being courageous is realizing that that possibility exists and choosing to move into it instead of away from it. Because ultimately, courageous faith is about others is that courageous faith embraces the needs of others, that we don't do things so that our life is better. I'm not being courageous so that I have a better life necessarily. Courageous faith is about how do we embrace the needs of others. So for Esther, she, you know, there was a possibility that exists that, that maybe she could get away with the king not realizing that she was a Jew. Maybe she could have continued to be the queen and had all the rule the trappings with it, even if everybody else dies, and maybe she could have lived a good life. But her courageous faith said that the needs of others were more important than her own needs. And this is the story of Christianity, and this is the story of Jesus. For while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. And what we believe as a people of faith is, is, is really that, that Jesus embodies this courageous faith, that he embraces the moment at the right time while we were still weak is when he came into the world to save us. He knew that this was the time. He embraced the possibility of loss and in fact took the worst loss. He suffered and died alone. And, and this embracing that the possibility of loss. But he did it all because he loved us. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. And so, so they chose. He chose this. And Jesus was vulnerable because we are valuable. Jesus chose this vulnerable life. He chose to risk, I mean, imagine leaving the, the good life in heaven to come to this misery of a place of earth. He chose that. He put on flesh, flesh that bled when he stubbed his toe, flesh that, that hurt when he hammered his finger. He chose that vulnerability of humanity because we are valuable. And you see, we have to do the same for others, is that we have to choose to put ourselves out there. We have to choose to be vulnerable because we believe that other people are valuable. And even in a world that doesn't always value other people, we choose to be vulnerable, to put ourselves at risk. We choose to live a life of courageous faith that isn't about what we want, but what is about what is best for others because we believe that other people are valuable. And that's what the gospel teaches us. For God so loved the world. Red and yellow, black and white, they are precious in his sight. Jesus loves the little children of the world. And this is what generosity is all about. Generosity 
It's about being vulnerable. It's about sacrificing. It's about helping other people to thrive and learning how to live a life of trust in God. And so we are called to live lives for others instead of for ourselves. Now, I know that there are people who are watching this and people who are here in the room who, who, are, who are used to giving generously. And I just want to say thank you so much that you've made that decision at some point in time and you've given regularly and you've given consistently um, financially. I want to talk to those who, who maybe you haven't made that step of faith before, that this, this giving consistently and sacrificially and generously isn't part of what you've done. And so what I want to tell you is, is I invite you to just try it. Like, what would it look like if you would say, Lord, I'm going to choose to trust you. I'm going to choose that I'm going to, I'm going to give up some of my income and some of my, my reliability that I have been counting so much on. And instead, I'm going to, I'm going to trust you. Maybe that's, that could be just $20 a week and say, I'm going to just make this faithful commitment. Maybe it's a couple hundred dollars a month and you're saying, I'm going to make this commitment. But I'm going to choose to trust you because I'm going to choose to put myself as a vulnerable person because I believe that other people are valuable. And so if you've never tried it, or maybe you tried it a little bit and it didn't work out for you, I'm just going to invite you to do so. And here's the promise that I'll make, is that if you make a big step up and, and, and you go from maybe being inconsistent to consistent, um, or, or you go from nothing to something, and, and life doesn't go your way, we will take care of you as a church. Um, if, if you're risking this vulnerability of giving and you've never given before, and something in your life happens, because sometimes it does, the people in this community will make sure that you are taken care of. Because when we are vulnerable, God has room to move. When we are protective, we say, nobody in, even you, God. But when we are vulnerable, we invite others and God in, and we allow God to work in us and through us. And so one of the things that, that we can do in Kids in Box 4, everybody can be generous. We'd love for you to draw ways or think of ways that you can be generous, is to give. And so um, we have these courageous faith cards, and, and follow, during the singing of our next song, we're going to invite you to come and bring it into our Joas chest that's here. Um, I know some of you have already mailed it in, um, and some of you, um, you can do it online. So if you go to our website, mustangumc.org slash courage, we invite you to, to just say, you know what, I'm going to live a life of courageous generosity. Um, and, and some of you, you may be hesitant to write down a number. You're not certain what 2021 will look like. Um, then I'm going to invite you just to check the box that says, I commit to live a generous and courageous life in 2021, whatever that would look like. And again, you can do that online because I think this is what God wants for us. And as a church, we have to be leaders in being vulnerable and courageous in our faith. This is not just something we're asking from you, but we, as a church, have to decide that we're going to do things we've never done, that we're going to take risks we've never done, so that we can reach people we've never reached. That's the only way it happens. Now, this doesn't mean we're going to stop doing a bunch of stuff we've done, and that's good, and that's helpful and holy, but what it means is, is that we're going to continue to follow Jesus into risk, that we're going to take some risk in 2021, meaningful risk that we courageously follow Jesus into. And so I want to share just a few of the things that I feel God is, is prompting us to do and to be. Because we're, we're living in a weary and tired world. And one of the reasons we're so weary and tired is because it's so divisive. You turn on the news, you um, see social media, where, wherever you are, it just seems like that, that we already put two strikes against every other person in the world. And we wait to see what they're going to say that's going to say, I can't trust you or I don't like you. 
We are divided politically. We are divided in so many ways. And what Jesus calls us to is the courageous work of peacemaking. Into a world that is like this, Jesus calls us to enter in and to be peacemakers. And so I want us as a church to courageously follow Jesus into that work of peacemaking. To be a place in which there are people who see the world and have experienced the world and think about the world very differently and that we can sit in a room or a Zoom call or a table and we can say, that is crazy. I have no idea how you got there, but I value you and I respect you and I want to learn and I want to listen and I believe that you can speak truth into my life and I want to enter into that world. Could we be known as the peacemaking church in Mustang, Oklahoma? This is a weary world, and we're filled with sickness, physically, emotionally, spiritually. This is such a time of brokenness around us. And, and, and one of the things that I believe our church is called to be is to courageously follow Jesus into the ministry of healing. Now, we, we are a church that uh, uh, we believe in the power of prayer. I believe in the power of nurses and doctors and medicine. I also believe in the power of prayer. That there are healings that happen because God's people pray. Because we pray, people are healed. And we want to continue to believe that fervently. And we're going to continue to pray for people. The prayer is not just something we have on our walls. And prayer is not just something that we have on a list. But prayer is an active part that we believe that when God's people pray, good, holy miracles happen. We're going to do that, and we're going to continue to emphasize our prayer ministry. But one of the other areas that I feel like we have to courageously enter into is to find a way to, to reach at the intersection of mental health and faith, that into this weary world as, as, as people struggle with anxiety and depression and so many other things, is that we want to bring the healing power of Jesus to that and to help people walk through those journeys as they're vulnerable and share those things. Now, I think also we live in a weary world, and our young people, our students, and our college students, and our young adults are weary that, that this world isn't what they had hoped or expected or promised it to be. And so one of the things, and sometimes it's easy for us to say, well, um, you know, when I was a young person, it, it was hard, but I made it through. Well, we've never been there 20. We've never been there 17. We've never been there 25. And, and, and so we want to we be the most empathetic people we can be with our young people and take this journey alongside them and walk with them. And we want to be with them and we want to see their perspective, but also we want to invite them to help lead, to give them opportunities to thrive and to go. It's great to, to, to see Mary sing up here. It was great to have the OU Wesley Foundation band up here. It's, it's great to, to see our other young adults who are stepping into leadership, and we want to create a place in which they feel like they belong and they know they're valued. And they're not just like, oh, aren't they cute? But, oh, aren't they good to us and good for us? And what if we became the church in which the 20-somethings in our community felt the most welcomed and felt like this is our place as well. Now, this weary world that we have is also full of grief and loss. We've all lost so much this year. There's lots of grief that we've experienced. And so we're going to be a, a radical countercultural place. We're going to acknowledge and lament, and we're going to mourn with people who mourn. But we are people of hope and joy. 
And so in a world that says, oh, the sky is falling, we're going to be a place that says Jesus is risen. And so into this world in which downwardness is the direction, we're going to elevate and raise people up. And that means we're going to prioritize worship and praise and hope and joy in everything that we do in 2021. Again, we're going to grieve when it's appropriate. But we grieve as people with hope because Jesus has went through death and found life on the other side and says, come on, you can join with me. And so worship and hope and joy is such a big part of what we are going to do. Now, the other thing that I want to share, and this is, uh, all these things have been important, but this last one um, is is something that God is just really doing that, that I really think has some generational impact that we might be able to do. And so uh, we want to be the best church, the best Mustang United Methodist Church in Mustang, Oklahoma, that we can be in 2021. And so, so one of the things that we have to discover is, is what are the needs of our community and, and who has God uniquely called us to be? And so uh, a while back, I was sitting down with a, a couple at our church, and, and, they, and they were sharing a little bit about their dream and visions and hopes for the church. Now, one of the things that we know is that um, statistically, about 85% of people make their initial commitment to Jesus between the ages of 4 and 14. That if we're strategic and if we maximize that window of reaching people, and I would imagine if I look across this room, and for those of you watching at home, probably 85% of us made that commitment during those years of criticalness, is how can we as a church do the most good in those ages? And that's actually been the mission of this church for a long time. Um, we have done incredible work with our preschool. Um, you guys have, have maximized our, our ministry to elementary students and, and uh, youth and all sorts of other things through facilities and finances and staff. We've really done that. But one of the things that God is really doing for us is to, is to reach out to families who have individuals with special needs. And so this church has done a, a Christmas Eve service for those families for years. And we've also, um, we, last year we started our Embrace Ministry and we had a monthly service until uh, COVID happened in which we'd gathered together. We partnered with the Special Olympics. We've done a lot of things. It seems to be a heartbeat of this church. And so as I was sitting down with this couple they, and we were having a conversation, we talked about what would it look like if we expanded our preschool? Uh, maybe we could reach more preschool age kids. Or, or what if we uh, started a uh, an elementary private school and we reach kindergartners, first grade, second grade with, with Christian education. And as we were talking and dreaming and imagining, one of the things we talked about was what would it look like if, if we particularly focused our needs on special needs, families, and individuals? Because that's who God has called us to be. And, and, and so on this past Thursday, our administrative council met. Our administrative council is sort of our governing body that make the big decisions. And, and at that meeting, um, I was pleased to be able to introduce and announce um, that, that Dave and Pat Stone, longtime members of this church, have, have made an initial commitment of $1 million for us to build a facility so that we can reach those families and children and generations that I talked about. We're going to step into this courageous thing that we don't even know exactly what it will look like yet. Um, The administrative council has agreed to form a courageous dream team that will discern what is it exactly that God is calling us to do. We have the assets uh, of the facility, of the land right over here. We believe that God is calling us to do something and we want to step into it. 
Now, it's going to cost more than a million dollars. We know that, and it's going to be a group, a team effort. We're going to have to be in this together. But the mission of God is the same, is that we're going to courageously follow Jesus to love the vulnerable, to love those who sometimes society overlooks, to sometimes society doesn't understand because they are valuable to God. And we're going to do something we've never done before so that we can reach people we've never reached before. And we believe that in this year, 2021, that we're going to bring a plan to you that says this is where God is leading us. And we're going to ask you to help support it because it's going to be a big dream that we're going to follow. And then over the years, we're going to see the fruitfulness of our faithfulness as we courageously follow Jesus. And we believe that we can transform hearts and lives in so many ways. And so this expansion, we again don't know exactly what it's like, but I'm so thankful for for Dave and Pat and their willingness to say, because God has been good to them, they want to be generous to others. It's not about them, but they're courageously doing this for other people. And we want to step into that. And so I'm so thankful and I'm so honored that we get to be a church for such a time as this. And into the darkest nights, into the difficult days of 2020, we believe in hope and light. And so this is the light of the world, Jesus. And we're going to courageously follow him. It's not going to be easy, and sometimes we'll fail, and sometimes we'll get hurt, and and not every risk we take is going to pay off. But we believe that God is calling us to move boldly into the future and bravely into this new life together. And I want you to be a part of it. And so as we, as we sing this last song, I'm going to um, invite you, if you do have a, a generosity card, I invite you to come and, and turn it in. Uh, if you're watching online, then we'd love for you to, to do so as well. Um, and just take a step of faith and to say, you know what, I'm going to live generously and courageously because that's who God would want us to be. And so again, we, we invite you, if you're online, just open up that web browser. Do it now. Do it in the next 10 seconds. And just faithfully follow Jesus as to he's prompted us all. And so let us pray, and then we'll sing our closing song and open the Joash chest. And so, Lord, we give you thanks for who you are and what you've done. Lord, we know that sometimes life can seem overwhelming, and, and, and there is a weariness that we all experience. But, Lord, we choose hope, we choose joy, because we choose you. And so, Lord, right now, we pray that we would be courageous. Lord, if you're prompting us to fill out a card, that we would do so. And that we would step into this unknown future confident that you are already in the future. And that you are saying, come on, I'm here. And for the courageous decisions that we have to make on a daily and weekly basis, Lord, we give those to you. And Lord, may we have the courage to faithfully follow you this day and the days to come. And may we be a church that do things we've never done so that we can reach our neighbors who we would never reach otherwise. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Mustang UMC podcast. Once again, our services are at 8.30 and 10.50 a.m. every Sunday morning, and we would love to see you there. For more information about the Mustang United Methodist Church, 
please visit us at mustangumc.org or email us at office at mustangumc.org. That is office at mustangumc.org. We hope you enjoyed.